Sante Miguel Archangeli, defende nos en proelio. Contra mequitiam et insidias diabole esto proelsidium. Imperete et Deus, supleges de precamor. Tuque, princeps melices celestes. By the power of God, thrust into hell Satan, and with him, those evil spirits who prowl about the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. to League of Legends to make sure if we're ranked we are efficient and Chase goes and I go yeah Chase what's your prefer top or bottom he goes uh I do what the fuck I want and Colin, I'm like damn Colin was just like in fucking tears he like was cause you were just like you were you were negotiating like talking normal with us and then out of nowhere you are like I do what I want I'm a drunk Irishman. You know, honestly, I think his laugh like encouraged me to get even more sadistic. That's what's and <laughs> play off of it. Yeah. I kept on getting more and just like being a dick. Yes. Oh man, that was funny. David's funny. He texted Dave, me David earlier. Is in on fucking league. He is. No, no. While we were recording, he He's sent me this text. On Discord. Listen to this. Listen. Really? This. Yeah. He goes. Today I learned you can TP onto Thresh's lantern. <laughs> 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 fucking, I'm gonna say fucking money, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, Fuck. dude! Uh, he's more invested than us. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's great. Welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome to stuck in this purgatory with your lovely host Chase. Were, there, were you recording? I was recording that all time. Fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Joining me in purgatory, as always is the semi-drunk and pretty tired H-Dog. Um, I'm, I've been drinking the piss beer. And I'm going to say congratulatory new homeowner, KFA. Aww. That means I could get haunted in a whole different area of Colorado. You know what? It's funny. I thought about this on the way up, and I thought to myself, now that he has all this extra space, and we just went through Robert the Doll episodes, are you going to make one of your vacant rooms a uh, historic... Doll room? Let's get him Like dolls. a museum? Like a doll museum? I will throw a fun fact for you guys. Uh, Haunted Dolls is a very money lucrative yeah. thing that happens within eBay. So yes. if I, I could somehow get my hands on a Haunted Doll and then spin it around, it's like the old-time version of NFTs. Oh! <gasps> Well, we're not dropping NFTs on. Are we dropping NFTs? Is today the day that we talk about NFTs? No, oh not yet, not God. yet, not yet. Oh, okay. I was yeah, really we just, we just, I'm we like just... Butters. I'm like, <laughs> if if you're like in the NFTs, I'm in NFTs. And if we're in the NFTs, they're in the NFTs. And we're all going to make a lot of fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, you could be making a lot of fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was fucking good. Don't get me started on NFTs, boys. Oh, man. Jesus well, one Christ. of these days. But we're not a financial podcast. We're a paranormal podcast. <laughs> yeah. This is unsolicited advice for you. <laughs> put your money in a RO, RO. I don't want to fucking. Move on. What? No, you need to put it in a 401k. <laughs> and if you put money in now, then you'll be a millionaire later. Because no. Social Security will not be around when you get to be old. No, no. Don't listen to these boomers. This Why does he do. call us fucking boomers? Oh this is what you do. You get a paycheck every two weeks. You grab that paycheck. You go up to Central City. You put it on red, boys. Oh, my oh. God. Okay. Please give us the number for the gambling hotline help or yeah. help hotline because Adrian needs it. 1-800-thick-thighs. <laughs> <laughs> Get 
get your energy drink off my workstation. That, that's a whole different site that you don't want to follow. <laughs> Dude, you remember? Do you remember when Zach told me, told us back in the day, like middle school, he had to go do a, like a, a history class yeah. uh, report. And so he went to the whitehouse.com. To get that, was, that was not the White House. It was not the White House.com. <laughs> It was the whitepussy.com. <laughs> I have a theory that Zach Hansen came up. <laughs> Zach Hansen came up with the with the fucking dark web. That kid always got into the weirdest shit when we were young Dude. on on the internet. I think he invented the dark web. It, well, <sighs> there's a yeah, I got to yeah. see it. Now. You got to see I it, right? See it yeah. <laughs> I love that kid. He's an interesting dude. Me too. I hope he's listening. Oh, fuck. Actually, I'm going to force him to listen. I'm going to fucking drive to his house and make him goddamn listen to our podcast. He, does, he doesn't even have a, a car, so he can't leave his house. So he better be listening to this all day while yeah, he's I'm going to text him right now. I don't even care. It's, it might better be on fucking loop. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text him right now. Listen to our goddamn podcast, Zach Hansen. All right, well, let's let's get into this goddamn country hoedown episode. Hop-a-ding-dong. Speaking of pedophiles in the good old West Virginia. Rocky Mountain. Take me home. Country roads. I'm pretty sure I'm Mountain mama. There he is. <laughs> there he is. What are we talking about today, Adrian? We are talking about the bad man in Slainsville. You know what? I love this title. I'm not going to lie. It's a really gripping title. This is a really good fucking title. Mm-hmm. And it's it like instantly grabs you. And it's the epitome of the perfect paranormal story. It is. And a little bit of true crime, a little bit of paranormal. We don't know much of the true crime stuff. It's all speculative. But the paranormal shit, it's juicy. It's meaty. It's a fucking grass-fed burger in the middle of West Virginia, Slainsville. Well, Slainsville is a unincorporated community in northeastern Hampshire County in the U.S. state of West Virginia. Slainsville is located at the crossroads of Bloomeray Pike with Slainsville Pike and Cold Stream Road. Slainsville Pike and Cold Stream Road formerly made up the Springfield Grade Road that ran from Campin Bridge to Springfield. According to the 2000 census, the Slainsville community has a population of 691. Nice. Nice. It's not really nice because it's 691. If it was 69, it'd be nice. Well, I need I need the entertainment because I'm an immature child. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about what this family, how this family got to Slainsville. I mean, not necessarily how, but but the the initial motivation. So Brian Kendall wanted to get his family out of the city. He wanted a safer, quieter, calmer place for his kids to grow up. He and his wife, Belinda, found a perfect house in Slainsville, West Virginia. The place was surrounded by trees as far as the eye could see. And I still don't know how to say this word. Adrian, what is it? The bucolic. 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 And what the hell does that word mean again? It means that it's relating to the pleasant aspects of the countryside and country life. Oh, it makes more sense. Then the bucolic little town was just what they wanted. They packed up the kids and Coco their dog, and they moved on down to Slainsville, West Virginia. In a river, or in a river, in a van down by the river. <laughs> I about spit all my beer up on the, on the microphone. That was great. 
So this family, they, they wanted to get away from the city life. They wanted to enjoy their privacy and everything that comes with the country life. So that was the main aspect of them moving. They thought a small little community that is in Slainsville would give them that aspect of their life that they're seeking for. So to talk about this property, it's about 40 acres, 40 or 50 acres. It's a big property. They have trees all over, a bunch of country life. It's exactly the kind of property they were seeking for. Right when they move in, they wanted to celebrate Belinda's brother and sister-in-law's uh, daughter's birthday. The daughter's name is Jordan. They threw Jordan an birthday party. And while Jordan was celebrating her birthday, she was playing on the floor when one of the balloons began acting odd. Hmm. The string pulled straight and it floated in midair as though someone was holding it by the string. Belinda and Barbara looked at each other, mystified. Jordan did not touch the balloon, but it made its way toward her and it stopped. Jordan looked at the balloon, and the adults could have sworn the little girl was looking at another child. That's so fucked up. Well, the, when you said the part, and and you can easily gloss over it, the string, because you know when you hold a balloon, when a balloon floats, you know, in the air, it just kind of it dangles loosely, but it. They said it pulls straight, like when you grab a balloon and it has a little bit of tension from the helium. It actually pulled straight, like someone, something was holding the balloon. Children are wild, man. They see shit that nobody else sees, and whether it's real or not, like, oh, it's my imaginary friend. Well, your imaginary friend's a fucking demon. That's... No, you're tapped in. Yeah. We've talked about this on other tap, episodes. Tap, tap. Yeah. They are tapped in. I think they're tapped into the spiritual world or reincarnation or whatever. They have a, a, a more they have a, a, a more potent lifeline to that, that dimension. It's my my theory. And us as adults, we're just we're just dulled to it because we we get shit on from fucking day to day life and we just lose our magic. I'm just too busy to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> look around. Look around, friend. Well, the adults did see that the balloon was now going towards them. They wanted to understand why the balloon was acting this way. So they reached toward it, and the balloon looked like it was let go by an individual. It just floated right back up to the ceiling. As they tried to grab for the balloon. Yes. It's like the spirit was like, no, don't touch me. Don't don't touch me there. No. My no, no square. <laughs> okay, butters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's that's strange. And this is like multiple people seeing this. This is just not the kid telling the parents. This is like everyone at the party saw this balloon do its weird thing. Yeah, exactly. It's the adults that are coming out with these stories. And it's crazy that the adults make up that the child was talking to an imaginary kid. It wasn't that, or I apologize, the kid was looking at an imaginary kid. It wasn't the kid going around saying, Hey, this is Brian. Brian wants to play with the balloon. No, it's the adult saying, it looks like Jordan was staring at another child that was not there, that was playing with the balloon. And this is just the first instance that this family experiences. This is the start. This is basically the start of the paranormal shit that happens to this family. Exactly. And I know if I was there, I would be creeped out about it. But Brian and his wife, they just look past it. They go on... 
a few nights they think about it, they wonder what it was, and then it just doesn't cross their mind anymore. I mean, fair. You're in a new home, new life, you're happy. Yeah, fuck it. You don't want to think about that stuff. Right, Chase? Um, I don't know. Personally, I seek that shit out. Like, I think if I went to go buy a home and they said it was haunted or it was paranormal, I'd be like, bonus, bonus. <laughs> I hear in California, it's a rumor that actually adds value in the housing market if your house is haunted. Oh, th- dude, there's a whole market for serial killer homes. <sighs> no. Massive market. I have no interest. Well, it doesn't mean if you do, tons of people have That's interest crazy. in that. It's seriously, it's serial killer paraphernalia is a wild thing right now. I mean, look at your house. No one's been murdered in there. You got a goddamn mimic. You got a fucking, you got Top Hat Man. You got Slender Man. You got God knows what else in your house. You got a doll. Hey, you don't fucking know what happened in that house. What I do know is when we moved, well, yeah, when we moved in, I wasn't born then when my dad moved in, but uh, there's like chalk writing all in the garage. There and half is. of you can't make out. One of them's like a puppy dog clown. Fucking weird, dude. Anyways. Your house has some weird vibes. Your bathroom in the basement still... I don't like it. But I understand why this family... You know, back to the point. I understand why this family is, you know, brushes it off. Brushes off the balloon instant. But this next incident kind of gets a little on the wish-washy side. So the father, Brian, even though they moved to the small countryside of Slainsville, he kept his job which was about a two- to three-hour commute both ways. So during this process, he was getting extremely tired. He didn't have enough hours in the day to keep commuting back and forth. So what he decided to do is just stay with his mother during the weekdays and left the family to themselves so he could keep going to work and keep providing for the family. So one night... Brian's daughter asked the mother if she could stay in the camper. It was just the daughter trying to get out, try to do her own thing, and she kind of wanted to become, like, an individual. You know how each of us choose to, like, hey, we want to camp outside so we're not sleeping in the house, kind of get away from that feeling? Oh, yeah, when we were kids, we would always sleep. Yeah, at Eric's house, we'd do the trampoline. Well, not in that. We also dumbass idea. It was a dumbass idea. We done that. We he had like a bunch of like weird trees that his dad wanted us to get rid of. So we cut down half of them and decided we're gonna try and stay the night out there in the gully. Oh, that was fucking dumb. And our friend lived like in the backyard of this like deep gully. It was was called Coyote Gulch because there was coyotes that lived there. Yeah. And then the the best one was we had we put a tent out there and we put a TV. Did you? I don't. I wasn't there for that. Oh yeah, we played Guitar Hero in a tent in his backyard. So I get, I get why little uh, the little kid Blair wanted to uh, do a little little camping in the backyard. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. normal. Oh, yeah. That's fine. I, that. I mean, I wouldn't do it in the middle of bumfuck nowhere in my parents' backyard because we lived in the fucking city. But whatever, whatever folks. I, I, I don't know. I just always thought like, if you're gonna do that, why don't you just go fucking camping? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's why you hate Chatfield, right? Because it's just your fucking backyard. Exactly. <laughs> Well, the mother was very skeptical about this, but she thought it'd be a good way of letting her daughter kind of be an individual for herself. So she only agreed if she let Coco the dog go and sleep with her in the camper. One thing about the dog Coco, she was an amazing dog, very protective, and did everything that the family asked of her. So this is... You know, just a normal dog that's very protective of the family and will call out anything if something looks wrong to it. 
So during that night, Belinda made sure everything was good with Blair, tucked her in, made sure the door was locked, made sure that all the windows were locked, made sure Coco was fine, and tucked her daughter in. Okay. And then this is when it gets totally, totally just fuckered up. So as they went to sleep, Coco woke Blair. The dog was being uneasy and focused something on the outside. Still unable to sleep, Sean looked out his bedroom window. And remember, Sean is the other child of the family. He looked out his bedroom window and saw something lurking outside the house. He went to Belinda, his mom, telling her that there was a monster outside his window, which we've heard a thousand times that kids have said, but we never freaking believe our kids. Thinking he was just seeing a deer or some other animal, Belinda checked and found nothing outside the window. To settle her son's fear, she gave him the magic spray bottle, which I love. I, I have a little note in here that that's just goddamn adorable. Not like you're a superhero or here's this word of advice. No, here's a magical spray bottle. You see a demon, spray it. <laughs> that's just some shit that I see Chase's family doing for him when he's freaked out with the mimic in his house. And they're like, here's the magic spray bottle. Bleach for ghosts, baby. Bleach for ghosts. He's just he's just walking around. Could you imagine giving a kid a little spray bottle of bleach? He's just oh walking around. Demon, demon, <laughs> or Windexter. Do you remember that joke? <laughs> Dan Cook, love it, love it. Okay, so uh, again, he was thinking that uh, Belinda was thinking that there was a deer or something outside. Gave him the magic spray bottle that he could use to ward off whatever made him afraid. It was a simple spray bottle of water for her hair. Hmm, simple fix, but if but it settled Sean's nerves. It was. Suddenly, when Blair heard something, thinking her mom had come out to check on her, she looked around but saw nothing. So the same night, her son comes, says that she sees, that he sees something outside. Next, Blair is in the camper by herself with Coco. She says she sees something, believes it's her mom, but doesn't want to check. Because there's no daylight, there's nothing to be seen because they're in the middle of nowhere. So Blair's trying to wonder who's out there, so she starts saying her mother's name. And there's no response, but she could see a figure walking around the camper. Now this is where the dog comes into play. The dog gets very protective, and just like dogs do, she Coco gets on top of Blair, and it's... All four legs are on top of her, basically protecting her and starting to bark, barking real loud. So hold on. Who saw, someone saw actually something outside the camper? Yes, it was Blair. She was in the camper. She saw something outside the window? Yes. That's like like my greatest fear of going camping because we camp a shit ton. And that's like my biggest fear of hearing or even if it's just a bear, that's just, that's just my nightmare. Well... Blair does think there's something out, but she can't make a figure out of it. She doesn't know if it's a human figure, doesn't know if it's an animal, but she's terrified. And the dog is on top of her, just barking like crazy. Well, the night's almost done. Blair can't go back to sleep. Just cannot. Waiting for the daylight to come out so she can unlock the camper and run inside. And finally... The dog stays on top of her the rest of the night. Daylight shines. She goes back inside. I hate it. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's it was, eerie. Adrian kind of told me the story beforehand. And 
when you you talk about the story in general, uh, it doesn't really give you the chills. But when you actually read the story and and kind of just let the story play out, like that's fucking terrifying. And we all know what it's like when it's it was dark out and it's you can't see anything, and you're just sitting there praying for the sun to come up or for, to do something, and you're like you're stuck. And you can't do anything about it. And a minute seems like an hour. It's horrifying. I think a lot of these stories that we, we read, true or not, factual or not, we you put yourself in these shoes, and regardless if there's an entity or not, if you thought you saw an entity outside your RV or Sean seeing his, his sister or something outside, that's enough to that's enough to twist your mind. Truly twist your mind. The, the thing that really gets to me is the son sees something. He tells the mother. Then the daughter also sees something on the same night. Now, after the fact, when she goes inside, Blair doesn't want to talk about it. The mother sees that her daughter didn't get good sleep. She's asking her, hey, how did it go? Like, did you enjoy it? Blair didn't want to talk about it. She basically went upstairs, tried going to sleep, couldn't get this off of her mind. I mean, I get it because, like we just said, Eric's house, when we thought it was a good idea to sleep out uh, in that little stand of trees. I mean, this is a suburb of Denver. There's houses everywhere. It's a gully that's in the middle of the suburbs. And even the fact of the trees are right behind the fence. So our, our back is up against the fence to this house. And we didn't last... Fuck, how long? Three hours until we got freaked out when it's inside. inside. Yeah. yeah. And the mind manifests certain things. I mean, I, you see the shadows in the, in the dark and you hear sounds and it and it destroys you. The thing that scares me most about this encounter, this paranormal encounter with this family is not just the kids experiencing things because there's many examples of kids experiencing things, but the mom starts experiencing things. The dad starts experiencing things. And that brings us on to the next, the next night. Well, before you get into that too, and I want to bring this one up. Do you remember when we went to Sheriff's Reservoir last year or year mm-hmm. before that? With the with uh, Colin and Taylor, Colin and, Taylor? and and, and Dom, yeah. all of us, yes. And we were just sitting around the campfire, and there's literally nobody else but one other person camping up there. Yeah, like in way the back middle of the fucking us. woods. Yeah, and we're hearing noises in the woods. I know that there's critters. I know that critters are out there, but at the same time, we've hunted. We've hunted in the dusk. We've hunted in the morning. And critters stay the fuck away from you when they hear yeah. you. And we're being loud at the campfire. And yet we're still hearing shit. Like maybe 50 feet off. Yeah, it's, it's, ah, I just, I know that this story can, can get some people, but you have to put yourself in these shoes of, of what, of what you see and what you hear. So another, I'm, I'm, I'm give this quick, this quick, uh, another experience that they had on another quiet ev- evening, Blair was playing in her room when suddenly a little girl was sitting in front of her. Blair didn't, didn't feel threatened, however, but the child wouldn't play with her. She just tried to ignore the presence, which is strange that this little kid would appear and not play and just stand and, and appear. And it'll, it'll make more sense later on in the story, I promise. The little girl appeared at about the same time every evening, but Linda dismissed it as it was Blair having an imaginary friend. friend. But Blair knew it was real. I think theory-wise, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but I think something happened to this little girl at this time, and she entered the veil at this time every time because something happened at that time. 
I get terrified thinking about kids having imaginary friends because if you guys are big paranormal uh, movie watchers like I am, mm-hmm. I think of Paranormal Activity 2 and 3 where the girls have a friend and basically it manifests itself into something a lot larger. And first of all, the parents just brush it off as like, oh, she has an imaginary friend. But then it gets to the point where like, the kid's like, you can't sit in that seat because that's where, you know, whoever's sitting there. And then it just keeps getting more and more. So if my kid ever says he has an imaginary friend, he's going to get beat with a belt. Dominique and I have an agreement that no matter what we tell each other paranormal-wise, it's a, it's a vow that we have, we will believe each other no matter what because of shit like this. All I know is I'm going to be lighting a lot of sage because according to Olivia, it's going to get rid of everything. <laughs> yeah, sage is the best. It's I got some sandalwood. You got sandalwood? Yeah, you want some? Oh, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and here's another here's another incident that that happened, and and this is where it really starts to ramp up and gets real real juicy, juicy meatball. On a Monday night, when Belinda was exhausted, she had a she had a very strange dream. Something pinched her toe. There was a boy standing at the foot of her bed, pinching her her toe with a clothespin. She began to follow the boy. Now remember, this is a dream. The boy said his name was Andrew. He was just letting Belinda know he was there. When Belinda woke the next morning, she noticed a clothespin on the floor at the foot of her bed. They had a dryer in the house, so all these, their clothespins were still packed. Had it really been a dream? I, I, vision? So, and taking this into account, we have a kid interacting with the daughter. Right, that just stands there and appears. A girl. A girl. Yep, the little girl. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now we have the mother interacting in in a dream or a vision with a little boy standing at the foot of her bed. We have two kids now in this house that have appeared before this family. Why? Maybe I don't know. Okay. The the thing about it too for me is the fact that it's not just uh, a child reoccurring this. It's the fact that it's both the children and the mom that are experiencing this. So it's collectively as a family. Adrian, fact check me on this. Is is this all recurring while the dad's gone, right? This is all like in the span of a few days, I think, right? It, it's over a course of a couple weeks. The father has been gone and the mother's trying to keep it away from the father so he doesn't have to focus on it. So this brings us to the next point that we're going to get to about Belinda. She's she's starting to take a effect from all of these occurrences happening to her so she she believes that she just needs to get out of the house she's been around the kids so much she just needs a break yeah breath of fresh air get get that crisp west virginia take me home there it is i need to chase to finish that (laughs) mountain rose mountain mama so with her starting to feel like she needs to take a breath of fresh air She asks her sister to watch the kids for her. While Belinda's taking a stroll through the woods, remember this is still on their property because they have a pretty wide range of property that they have. Uh, It looked like a miniature graveyard on their property. Wait, 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 wait. She, Belinda, finds a a miniature graveyard on the property? Yes. How do you not know this before you buy property? Well, you'll find out. You have so many. Go fuck acres. around, find out. 
You have so many acres. How are you, how are you going to look at every single thing? That's bullshit. I, my dad and I are looking for property, and we're looking for like 30, 40 acres. That's a lot of fucking property. And we walk around the whole goddamn property when we look at this <laughs> look at this shit. I feel like you would you would notice a miniature graveyard or have some recollection or yes. some knowledge of something like this. It's a big deal. I want to know how the realtor managed to spin it off where he didn't have to say anything about the graveyard. Right, yeah, he's like, Virginia. hey, yeah, just uh, don't look at that back portion of the property. This is the prime real estate right here. Yeah, <laughs> this is the usable land. That's the word that yeah. they use. This <laughs> is the usable land. That shit over there, yeah, I need that. Yeah, I need that. And, of course, that's why, because there's a fucking kid graveyard there. Yeah. So when she finds this graveyard, she starts to begin to think that this is the reason why she's seen children on her property. I hate it. This is another this is another part of the story in, in our other episodes. This is the part I hate because this is where the family starts to make connections and starts to ponder the, the reality of their situation. I really wish we can get our boss on right now. I wish he was here with us. Why? Because he and his family have property down in Trinidad in Colorado. Oh, that's, that's and he was telling us the other day about how the family property has a graveyard on it from his family. He was they were going to build like a shed or something like that and they were digging down and he dug into a child's bones Ugh. so now that she found this graveyard belinda's starting to believe that all of these kids and stuff aren't imaginary that they're a form of spirits that are just trying to connect with the family and i think hunter you want to talk about what she sees that evening that evening yes that evening i, I love to i on a crisp autumn midnight. It could have been autumn. Could have been. And that's I, this is this is one of the best campfire stories. I mean, true or not, this shit gets you to the bone. Is a spooky story? Is it telling the dark? It is much worse because it. Uh, just wait, Chase. You're you're about to get slapped in the dick here. Watch this. Okay. That evening, <laughs> Belinda was unable to shake the feeling of being watched. Coco, the dog, slept on her bed, giving her some comfort. Blair was awakened by something and discovered that her bed curtains were open. Confused, she went to close them. As she did, a ghastly, ghostly, terrifying face appeared on the other side of the window. Blair darted back to the bed, pulling the covers over her head. Coco began barking, waking Belinda. Blair felt the covers move more and braced herself for the owner of that face to be in her room. She was relieved to see the little girl appear, the one we saw from earlier, warning Blair to stay away from the bad man. When the little girl disappeared, Blair went back to sleep. In her own room, Belinda felt something touch her, but nothing was there. This is the rising action heading towards the climax of this fucked up story. Can you just imagine what a dog has to go through? Because they have no comprehension of what's going on except for something's not right. And they're so attuned to the paranormal. It's either their frequency levels they can hear, but they always see shit before we do. Yeah. And they're just sitting there and like, okay, this is obviously a bad situation. I don't know what the fuck to do except for bark at this thing. Yeah. And your owner is like, it's fine. Shut up. You know, that's funny. I feel bad. Every time my dogs are barking at something randomly, I'm like, shut the hell up. Go on, get. And then what if they were saving me from fucking... Poltergeist. Bad, yeah. Jesus. All right, Adrian. Bad keep... pet owner. Bad. Bad. Shame on you. So this is the part where Belinda starts to share her stories with her husband. She's telling her that these... She's telling him what these occurrences are. And basically, he isn't there enough to understand what's happening. 
But these next occurrences, he starts to be at the house and he starts understanding what's happening. Yeah, this guy got real. He got he got let off the chain. This dude was not around for a majority of it. Comes home in typical dad fashion, swinging his uh, his manpower around. All right, kids, grow up now. I don't believe this shit. Yeah. My dad, like my dad used to say when I was a kid, hey, you need to do some jumping jacks and shake the sand out of your vagina. I hated that. <laughs> I hated it. Childhood trauma. Childhood trauma. All right, I actually don't know if Brian's that bad, but I'm just saying. This guy avoided all the creepy shit until now. So Belinda thinks she needs to take another breath of fresh air. So she asks her mother if she could borrow her car. So Belinda took the kids into town to run some errands. And while there, she heard a story that explained a lot of things that they have been seeing on the property. That graveyard was connected to her house, after all. There had been a fire in that house that stood on the land about 100 years before. And the whole family had died. When they got home, Coco was gone. No. Wait, so she went to the cemetery... Found out that there was a fire, blah, blah, blah. Not the cemetery. I'm sorry. She went to the town to run some errands. And, oh. of course, it's a small town. Everyone Started talking. Yeah, gossiping. everyone started talking. And she kind of comes up with this conclusion that it had just been a family. They died on by the fire. And this is what explains the children coming on her property and being spirits there. Some part of it. Okay. And then she comes home and Coco's gone. Yeah. Uh, she also chalks up that the children aren't bad spirits. They just are ones that want to in- interact with the family. So it kind of relieves her of what's happening within the house at the moment. For now. Yes, for now. This this is what she expects is happening in the house. So she gets a little sense of relief because a family died. Maybe some the family's haunting. Fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's not so bad. But the fucking dog's gone. Well, Why has it always got to be the damn dog? I'm, I know I'm, I keep on derailing to like, you know, modern pop culture bullshit, but what's weird about this, this whole thing, like what, I, as you guys are telling me the story and everything, uh, it makes me start to think about this new movie that's coming out uh, where this one person gets abducted and it's by that one, there, there's a dude who abducts the, these children and ends up killing them in them. Well, I haven't seen the movie, I just saw the trailer for it, but the person who gets abducted um, is seeing the apparitions of all the other children that went through there and got killed and they are helping him actually escape this murderer's funhouse, basically. Yep. Yep. I think that happens today. I think some of these spirits, their unresolved issue might be the their murder, but the murderer that murdered them is already dead, so they can help against the the entity that is haunting the home. And we're gonna find out. So we will focus on Coco being gone. So this property, they had a very good fence surrounding the property. Uh, there was no way Coco would have left because, first of all, as I said before, Coco's very protective of the house and the family. Coco was well-trained, wouldn't have left not knowing that he couldn't have came back. So they checked the locks on the fence, make sure everything was closed, and check the whole property. They were looking all the way around because Coco was a center point to this family. And once they came to the conclusion that Coco was nowhere to be found, Belinda believes someone came through the road and stole the dog. 
Logical. That or the dog just said, fuck this shit, I'm out. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Ay, ay. Yeah. I mean, I want to hope that that dog's, you know, living free today, you know, multiplying and spreading its genes across the uh, West Virginia mountain roads, Rocky Mountain roads. I, Maybe not. I, I could live with that just so I know that nothing happened to the dog. As long as, long as there's not a dead dog on the property, I'm happy. Yeah. Can we, can, we, can we live a little positive on this podcast that this dog had a happy ending? Yes. Okay. Thank you for giving Probably me multiples. Permission. Yes. Adrian, can I can I do this this next part as this this story like escalates to a real fucked up point? Take it, big guy. Dude, this I mean, it's been it's been semi-tame for now, but this this is when it really starts to get I mean, as a, as a dad someday, I could imagine myself losing my shit at this point. So, it was a calm Sunday evening. Everyone was tucked away asleep. Belinda began to have a dream about the little boy, but this time the boy was trying to tell her something. She followed him through the dream, but couldn't get any information. Belinda was awakened by Sean's blood-curdling scream. She ran to the child and found him in the middle of the floor with his arm broken and twisted. Now, his arm, I believe it was his right arm, was cocked up in a weird kind of manner. It was kind of like a, it was like an L. It's like his elbow was in like an L shape, but unnaturally. So you could tell that the minute that Belinda saw Sean's arm, she could tell that it was snapped. And let me find my place here. She ran to the child, found him in the middle floor with his arm broken and twisted. She called for Brian, and they piled into the car and, and ran to the emergency room. Blair said that Sean said the bad man had done it. And she immediately decided that because the little girl was protecting her and the bad man had moved on to her brother. So somebody was warned, right? The, the the daughter was warned. Sean was left unprotected, and supposedly the bad man had broken his arm. Interacted with him, and we don't have any information on what happened inside the room leading up to that. But all Sean could say was the bad man had done it. My question is, where the hell is the spirit, Andrew? If if the little girl could go protect the daughter, then then why isn't Andrew protecting the little boy? I mean. Is it just warnings, or do you think they can actually interact with this? If this entity, this bad man, and we're going to find out who this dude is, if this man is really powerful, then these little kids are helpless. They're yeah. just there as messengers. Yeah, basically. I mean, you could only imagine that maybe they could they could manifest some power, but this dude's bad. I mean, he's he's deeply bad. And now you're going to get the, the pedo references, as we were saying in the beginning. Adrian, talk a little bit more. You know, continue on with... Uh, what happens at the hospital and, and all that good stuff? So after three days in the hospital, Sean was released. One fact that we did skip over, uh, Belinda does not have a vehicle with her. So usually the husband is always away. He has the vehicle. So every time that she has to leave, she either asks the mother to drive her or they have to call a taxi. So after three days in the hospital, Sean was released. Belinda hated the idea of taking him back to that house, but borrowed her mother's car and did it anyway. Had all of the times Sean feared going to bed been red flags, she tried to rationalize it. They had to get out of the house. Out of nowhere, Belinda's mother's car just shut off. She tried to fix it, but with no results. So they decided to walk back to the house. While they were walking back to the house, a car approached from behind. A kind local woman offered to give them a ride. 
Mm, this is where it gets juicy. Um, have you heard this part, Chase? No. I'm curious to hear your, your real-time reaction. So when Belinda told the kind woman where she lived, the con- conversation finally gave Belinda the information on what happened there. It wasn't the fire. The rumors were that a man who lived there had been accused of being a child molester. He had gone missing in the woods behind Melinda's house. He had been lured, and supposedly the local men of the community had gotten wind of his child molesting. And he wasn't just molesting kids, he was supposedly killing them as well. So they lured him into the woods on the pretext of a hunting trip. And when the group of local men took justice into their own hands, they stuffed him into a van and set the van on fire and burned the man alive. And one point that we didn't mention earlier, one of the kids was wandering the forest during their their little escapades and found the burned out van and told the mom. And the mom didn't believe them because it was deeper in the woods. And again, they don't know their own fucking property. Hmm. Get a survey, people. Yeah. Know your damn property. Yeah, no, that's... How, yeah, how do, you, ah. how do you not? How do you go to a property and you're not search? Look around. I well, mean, how do you also not know the history? I mean, okay. Do I know the exact history of my home that we're sitting in right now? I know a little bit of it based on public record, but I don't know who the families that lived here. But you would think in such a small town community where this home that we live in right now it has exchanged hands many times, but a home like that has some deep history. How do you not fucking know that a man lived here and molested children and was burned in a van? That's big fucking news. I mean, I get that part of it because when you're looking for property, you're not like, oh, okay, I'm going to go search around for that shit. But when your kid tells you that there's a burnt van in your fucking property, you don't just go look for it? What the fuck? And then the the child cemetery, there was just too many warning signs with this family that they should have taken it a little bit more seriously. Supernatural or not. That's just disturbing enough to, like, not expose your children to. Yes. Just the history of it. What do you think, Adrian? Well, so after this occurrence, they – the mom gets back to the property and right away – right away, she goes to look for that van. And what does she find? That fucking van that was burnt to pieces. She finds it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And at that point, she calls her husband and she tells her husband they have to get off of that property. She wouldn't go back. They didn't give a shit. So that that that's what brings me to the point of different hauntings of poltergeists, different ghosts and everything, where many of the families, they won't leave. They basically put it up so they get publicity. Mm-hmm. And this family, they, they didn't give a shit. They left. They didn't want to go back. They didn't care if they could make money off of it. They needed to leave that property because the mother felt if they stayed on that property any longer, something was going to happen to their family. And this is a classic example of poltergeist. That, I mean, we're talking about this next week, guys, aren't we? Poltergeist? Yes. So how many times families brush this shit off? And, I, and this, this is opinion. I don't know if this is factual because we haven't looked it up yet. But the, they feed these poltergeist energy by not believing. They just let this thing run rampant. They give in to these weird things. And then in so many other instances, they get warned by, by spirits that have been affected in the physical realm by this poltergeist. And I think this, the bad men in Slainsville, 
manifested himself in such a way he's trapped and bound to that property and he's going to terrorize any family that is there. And I think before we do the next week's episode, we should do a little bit of follow-up and see what's happening in that house to this day. Because what, what's happening in Slainsville now? This whole community knows that this place is fucked up and yet, yeah, no biggie. Well, go ahead, Chase. I, I you know, it, it goes to the point where it, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of people where whether or not there's history in the house or not, if they are that uncomfortable living there because of the paranormal that's going on, they will move. I would move. There, A home is supposed to be a place that you feel safe and, safe and comfortable at. And if you feel like you're being attacked, regardless of history or what it is or any of that, Get the fuck out. It's it's not worth your try, your time. It's not worth your sanity. And it's definitely not worth it for the kids. If you can't run around your home naked freely, get the fuck out. <laughs> Chase, that's that's you told me that the other day. That was your own words. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> just, Say, don't, just, just don't be a pedophile on your own rights. Yeah, there you go. No pedo bears here. The crazy thing when researching this topic is there's not much information. There's this story. There's the town, there's the background story, but it's not one of the properties in the haunted West Virginia. Yeah, it has it has it has well documented incidents with this family, but before and after it's like it's a ghost. And that's why as although this this is a freaky story, let's just take the physical part of it that this guy was probably diddling kids and killing them. Outside of that, I mean, there's not necessarily enough supporting evidence to say that this is this is factual because this family kind of just drops off the face of the internet, and that that could be some of our own gaps in research. But I mean, it's appeared on the Sci-Fi Channel, it's appeared on on other famous shows, but that's what kind of makes this story interesting is the mystery to it. It happens so abruptly, and they and it just ends just as fast as it comes. I like I said, I don't blame them. If your kid is just unexplainably getting a broken arm for no freaking reason and you've already had all these experiences going on, like that's when all these episodes I talk about how I feel like there's an explanation for things. There is no explanation for this. Whether it's story, it's just a story or a fact or not, it, you can't explain this. Yeah. And this is the side that makes me believe that there is something out there like this. There's, there's this family entity. truly existed and they were affected. That little kid's arm was broke. And if he did it himself or fell off the bed, still creepy. Well, I hope you enjoyed the story of the bad man of Slainsville. Whether it's story or facts or not, I think it's a very creepy story. And I do enjoy hearing about it because this was kind of brought to my attention through Adrian. And he kind of told me a couple of stories. But hearing more of the research behind it definitely gives you a little bit more of the chills and um, what's more to come with poltergeists themselves i love that you in this episode in particular you kind of were just along for the ride to see what we were going to tell you from this and it was fun to see your reaction to this because it's it's one of those ones where you either think it's fake as shit or it's really good and it was fun i enjoy it because honestly what it is is when you just get to sit here and listen to the story of it you get to think about it and you get to form your own opinions on it and so I, I feel like in certain areas, it gives me a different form of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said, sir. KFA? I love this topic. I 
remember watching a video on it, and that's how I brought it up to the guys. It's something that not many people have heard about, which is exactly why I wanted to bring it into the podcast, because it's something that could definitely happen to you when you move into a new house, and you want to be in the countryside. And if it's the mind manifesting these things because you're not totally prepared for the darkness and all of the visual side effects of being in the dark you could manifest all these kind of spirits kind of like we talked about in many of the previous episodes i i think the moral of the story here is is if you're looking for a property to live on <laughs> make sure you survey the goddamn land before you survey. go out <laughs> talk to your fucking neighbors before you for close real. on the property jesus especially in these small east coast i mean we we migrated on the east coast jamestown you know rhode island new york all those areas that's where America started. So there's probably some fucked up history in West Virginia. You're not that far off. Learn about your shit. Yeah. Yep. Get educated. Get All right. edumacated. All right, Adrian. All righty. Well, if you guys enjoyed the content that you heard today, please go give us a look on Instagram at Stuck in This Purgatory. Uh, if you want to support us even more, we would love that. Click on our link tree, hit on Patreon. You guys will get ad-free episodes as well as seeing background videos and all the other funny stuff that me, Chase, and Hunter do on a normal basis. Go give it a look. And if you guys know something more about the bad man in Slainsville or you know some creepy stuff that's happened in West Virginia, please shoot us an email at stuckinthispurgatory at gmail.com. And if you want to see Hunter's face on our TikTok, please go give us a look at Stuck in This Purgatory. I'm going to go one step up above and beyond what Adrian said there. Don't just give us a look. Give us a follow. Rate us. Because we're going to shove this shit down your throat until you follow us, goddammit. All of eternity. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we love you all. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be doing this. And uh, we hope you enjoy the content as much as we do. Because I know that I get it hard on every time we come into the podcast room. So, uh, Yeah, well said. You know, very, very poetic, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, guys, we love you so much. We're so happy to be here. This is a dream come true. We're, we're past 10 episodes now, and we're, we're well on our way to seeing what the hell this is going to be about. And again, please subscribe to the, to the Patreon because it's going to allow us on the fast track to be better, better content better research better cameras we're using a fucking gopro that i can barely open the hatches because it's covered in, in god knows what substances so please please come fund us and you know once again when you're feeling down and blue and you're worried about some pedo bear coming in and, and killing your children just remember i guess we're all stuck in this purgatory 